Hello everyone, my name is Illumide. And my name is Christy. And welcome to the Big Empty Purse Podcast. Yeah, this one right here goes out to all the babies, mamas, mamas. And we'd like to take a minute to wish all the mothers and mother figures out there a happy Mother's Day. Did that sound completely insincere? <laughs> <laughs> Christy, what have you been up to since the last episode? Well, I've been seeing you for the first time. (laughs) I mean, except for that one time where you came in my house for about one minute, threw a microphone at me, pet my dog, and left. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right, the exact sequence of events. But yeah, we we were hanging out this weekend. It was so nice, because we're living that post-vax life, which I'm not used to, like, it still feels weird, but... We have a mutual friend who invited us over, and we just had a great time. This is what I mean, like, we're adults now, people invite us over for, like, dinner things. It was so, like, it was such a real, like, dinner thing, and they have such, like, a real house. <laughs> yes, that house is very legit. Um, So that Royal Blood album that I mentioned in episode 12 which had two singles out and one that I really liked and one I really disliked. The album kindly came out and it's the most boring case scenario, which is that the album is fine, which is like, I really wish that it was either like all bad with that one good song or like came out and was really good. But it was literally like the, the song I liked, the single I liked was the first track. And I was like, this is great. And then the song after that was really good. And I was like, excellent and then the third one was the single i didn't like i was like that's fine i knew this was coming and then the next like six tracks were all just flat just like nothing they were just boring and then there was like one more good song and then it ended i was like okay (laughs) like so wow but how many songs totally in that album not a ton i don't know the exact i'm trying to do the math like if you like if you liked two and a half songs in the whole album i'm trying to see what the hitting rate is yeah it wasn't a very long album it's only like maybe not even 40 minutes so oh it was it was probably a lot of it was actually mediocre yeah i'd say it was 60 40 like mediocre good okay yeah i'm trying to well which is not terrible there's a few songs off of that album that i'll listen to again but i like I know. I was like, had all this anticipation because I was like, which song is it going to be like? And it was just like, man, that was a boring outcome. (laughs) (laughs) Do better or worse next time, please. (laughs) Don't be consistent. But what was a good album I listened to this week that I'd been meaning to forever because it came out in October 2020 and I was just putting it off. But I listened to Blackpink's new album, which is called The Album. I love when they name albums stuff like that. I know. I know. But anyways, if, if you're not familiar, Blackpink is a K-pop group. And I don't listen to like, I'm not like a huge K-pop fan. I like it. It's just fun. It's just like fun, bubblegum, like whatever yeah. music. And I like to listen to it while I'm working because I don't understand the words. So it I, like doesn't distract me. And it's like high energy and I'm just like bopping and working. And then is every K-pop song just has like it's mostly in Korean. And then there's like 10 random English words like sprinkled throughout it. It'll just be like Korean, Korean, Korean. And then they'll say like strawberry and then like more Korean. It'll be like be my baby and like 10. (laughs) It's like like the the random English words. It's like the 
the random English words like that they choose is amazing. <laughs> so I'm not like the, a huge K-pop fan, but it fascinates me. But Blackpink, I actually really like. They're like a lot, like a lot of them are very bubblegum, just sort of fun. Blackpink goes a lot harder than the other ones. They have really great songs. What do you mean harder then? Like, I don't know what the, what's a comparison? Just, what's... <laughs> like, uh, both rappers in the group are really good. Lisa especially is like my fave. She's so good. And they just like, it's a little, it's still pop. It's still very much like pop, but a lot of the other ones are very like, lighthearted and there's have like oh, a I lot see, stronger beats and a lot more rap and a little more like rock influence yeah the album is really good like i was bopping the whole time except for weirdly there's a song with cardi b on it which i like saw this on the track listing and i was like yes like oh what a great collaboration like they have such Sorry, complimentary styles like, cardi b has a collaboration with a k-pop group she Sorry, sure I can't does. get over that just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was like, you just said that they were going to blow past it. I was like, no, 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 come back. No. <laughs> Let's acknowledge this. Wow. Okay, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> I wish I had something better to report. That's the worst song on the album by a lot. The one with Cardi. Yeah. It's like they're not very good on it. Her first song is not very good. I don't know why. That could have been so great. Please have another collaboration that's better because... Oh, that was so disappointing. This must be like a marketing thing. Like both their agencies were like, you guys need to cross over in each other's countries. So let's find mm. the biggest name we can get to cross. I see cross promoted. That's actually really brilliant. I like it. I'm curious if you get these because I feel like our TikTok algorithms are pretty similar. Do you get the like Chinese street fashion TikToks? No. No? Okay. You'll probably... What our do you phones mean? are like... probably listening and you'll start getting them now. But... <laughs> <laughs> The ones on TikTok are usually just like shots of people walking and they like slow it down slightly. So it's just like people who are dressed oh, fashionably well. on, on the streets. <laughs> Anyways, a bunch of them are set to the first track from the Blackpink album, which is called How You Like That, which is a really good song. Oh, How You Like That. Du, 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 du. Yep. Oh, that's from Blackpink. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I was always wondering what the name of that song was. And now I know. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going to go listen <laughs> to this, the full thing, not just the TikTok three seconds of it. <laughs> What have I been up to? So I went back and listened to the Blonde album because I was disappointed that it took me a moment to remember the melody to Solo by Frank Ocean. Your husband brought it up the last time we hung out and I, I couldn't, I couldn't. He was like, Solo, right? I was like, no, I, I actually, I know that's a song on the album, but I can't think of the melody. And I was so upset with myself. So I went home and I really listened to the Blonde and I've been listening to it over and over again. And for the first time since like that album came out, because I listened to that album a lot, I actually just realized in context that that album was mostly, it sounded mostly like a song intro with a little bit of constructed melody. And I was like, I think that was an intentional thing. You know the thing where artists do where they go and they, they have a pianist near them and the pianist is playing a chord and then they modify the chord, especially vocal artists, while the pianist is playing it and then they think of riffs to add to it to change the music arrangement. And then they record that, go home, and then write the lyrics to that melody to make it into the actual song. I think Frank Ocean also made another intentional decision because that chorus, it's not fully written. He had the melody done and he didn't write the lyrics for the whole thing. I swear, I was thinking about this like, this is an intentional <laughs> choice to make a deconstructed song. He doesn't <laughs> write the lyrics to the whole ver to the whole chorus and you know what he just does he just hums it remember that part of the song 
It's hell on earth and the city's on fire. In hell, in hell, there's heaven. There's a bull and a matador dueling in the sky. In hell, in hell, there's heaven. Whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, The whole thing, he was just like, I'm not going to write lyrics to this. I'm just going to vocalize it and put it in the song. And we live for that shit. Yeah. Yeah, there are also other stuff in the album that I was catching. But after I was done listening to the Blonde album, Spotify just recommended to me Hotels by Jasmine Sullivan, which I love. And I was like, wow, Spotify really does know me. So I went ahead and I listened to Jasmine Sullivan after Frank Ocean. And so that has been the soundtrack to my week, Frank Ocean and Jasmine Sullivan. Oh, Remember how last week you were telling me about Sorry to Bother You? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did watch it. I did watch it. It was wild. But that's some good writing. I mm-hmm. could not see where it was going. I was like, and the, yep. the f- fucking CGI horseman. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was so weird. The fucking CGI horseman. Just, I, when that scene happened, I don't know. I, I wasn't expecting it. The camera panned over to him and I, I jumped. I was like, <laughs> why is this in this movie? <laughs> I mean, why would you be expecting, spoiler alerts, but CGI horse people? <laughs> that movie just, like, it just keeps going further and further and further and further. Like, just, it gets just... crazier at every turn, right? Yeah. Can... So, the topic we'll be discussing today is parenting. Are either of us parents? No. Is that going to stop us? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> because here we are we have opinions and we're going to say them regardless of whether we are qualified god i mean mean, we've been parented so even if we haven't done parenting you know what here we are you can't stop us by the time you're listening this has already been recorded and edited and published so So welcome somebody time travels just to stop us from making this episode after we publish it So we were talking about parenting styles and you brought up something which I hadn't heard of, which is the four parenting styles. I mean, I'd heard of sort of generally parenting styles, but I hadn't heard it laid out this way. So there's four parenting, like main parenting styles, which are authoritarian, authoritative, permissive, and uninvolved. You can sort of imagine them as different quadrants from being like more demanding to less demanding on one axis and warm and accepting to cold and unaccepting on the other. So authoritarian parenting is basically imposing authority over children without making exceptions. You make the rules, you enforce the consequences. It involves more punishment than discipline. And these types of parents usually set strict and very high standards for their children. Authoritative has rules and consequences, but takes more of the children's opinion and feelings into account and uses more positive discipline strategies to reinforce good behavior. Um, And spoiler alert, that's what psychologists consider the most effective parenting style. So this isn't multiple choice. There's a correct answer. (laughs) Then there's uh, the permissive... There's the permissive parenting style, which is more like lenient. You only step in when there's something really wrong. Um, It's those parents who are like, I'm more of a friend than a parent. And they say like, oh, you can come talk to me, but they don't Mm. actively teach or discipline much. And then there's uninvolved, which is 
very few rules, very little guidance, and not much nurturing or attention, which aren't, like, sometimes it's active neglect at some, this parenting style also comes up with parents who are just super busy and not very involved in their child's upbringing. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. So what, growing up, was your parents' parenting style? It doesn't have to be on this exact scale. So... I wasn't raised only by my parents. And actually, for the most of my childhood, I was raised by many people who were not my parents. So my parents' parenting style, I only knew for a very short while, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I was able to, just because I was raised by so many people and I just lived in so many people's homes, I got to see the whole range of parenting styles. Every single person that I lived with had a very different way of doing it, which is why I feel very qualified to be talking about this episode. Yeah, so I I got to see a range of different parenting styles, but for the most part, my parents were extremely strict and authoritarian. How about yours? Wait, I should say, by the way, I'm saying that I feel like just because I say they're extremely strict and authoritarian, I'm sure my mom can turn on and be like, no, but I was very permissive. I think this is a subjective way of looking at things. Like she felt, you know, if her parents were even more authoritarian than she was, then you know how that goes. Right. No, that's true. It is. I feel like everyone like parents do compare to the way they've been parented, which I guess is natural. But I I hate when that comes up in terms of like, oh, you just get light spankings. I got whipped with a belt like oh okay that's not (laughs) i got thrown down a mountain got thrown into the wood chipper (laughs) the wood chipper (laughs) i got sun dried for three days sun dried i (laughs) sun dried (laughs) i just took your cell phone away you don't know what i went through as a kid yeah anyway yeah yeah it's it's always comparative it's always yeah Anyways, saying all of that, so my parents divorced when I was very young, like six or seven. So I got to experience their parenting styles very separately. Like they had sort of, they didn't really coordinate. No, it was was very different in both households. But it's also, (laughs) being a child of divorce is very weird because... One, your parents are not coordinating, and two, they, it's not like this is an ever-present thing, but there's sort of a feeling of, like, they want to maintain favor with you, especially, you know, just depending on, like, you don't spend all your time with them, so I feel like my parents both sort of lean toward this permissive style of, I want to be your friend, I want to be the one you can talk to... But this was also just my mom's sort of style, that she didn't set a lot of rules, she sort of let us... You know, not completely do what we wanted, but there weren't a lot of rules. There was not a lot of discipline. There was when we were younger. Like, we definitely had, like, spankings when we were younger. And there was... But growing up, like, things were... I don't know. (laughs) Pretty... Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and it was like, I didn't Um... didn't try and get away with a lot either. Like, it's possible that if I were a different person, they might have changed styles, but I... I was not trying to trust, like, test even the boundaries that they set. I was right. very, <laughs> I was a very boring. Yeah, that's what I'm child. saying. Like, well-behaved kids don't need. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't born in the United States. Neither were my parents. And when I moved here, it was kind of like we sacrificed a lot, and we left our hometown. We chose to restart our whole lives here. So they kind of expect that you would not be a fuck up just because of how much they've sacrificed. They just put all this expectation on you because of all the sacrifice that they've had to make to to switch up the whole 
life. But I think that would force them to be authoritarian. But even before I moved to the United States, they were that way. So I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a matter of if, if they felt like their life has been hard, they may take it out on their kids just to they feel like they're motivating their kids to do better, to have a better life than they did, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking there. I saw this TikTok the other day that was like, you, you know, people on TikTok will like pretend to be more than one character. It was like a guy pretending to be a son and a dad and the son goes, dad. I just want to play football. And then the dad goes, but it's always been your dream to lay in bed and watch anime all day. And he goes, no, dad, <laughs> that was your dream. <laughs> the way he said it. Parents do put their own expectations on kids from a very young age, which is sort of weird because this kid is a whole person that you don't even know yet. Like, <laughs> they got... They got a whole personality and their own thoughts and feelings. And it's it's weird to, I don't know. Now I feel like I'm sounding like, I would think I would be too permissive, but I, I don't know. At the same time, like. So most people, like, you know how they say the nonsense where you know what you know. So if that's the way your parents raised you, 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 you're likely to raise your kids that way just because you didn't experience anything different. But I think that's also bullshit because mm -hmm. it just depends on what what you think works at the moment when you're raising those kids but if i had kids right i can see some of the good things that came out of my parents being authoritarian mm. and i might take some things from there but i also saw some good things when my family's friends raised us maybe they were more permissive and there are some good things about that i tried to incorporate as much of that into this is like a miscongeniality answer yeah. i would take a little bit of everything um <laughs> yeah I, basically i would take all the good parts from all of the parenting styles and try to combine them but it doesn't matter what any any of these you know ways of raising your child is i think the fundamental thing in the back of a parent's mind is they have an idea of who they want their kid to be. And then they will edit their parenting style to try to mold that kid into being that thing that they have in mind, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if, you're, if, you, if your parent wants you to be extremely type A successful, they'll probably iron the shit out of you to make sure you are conditioned to operate that way. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it is a little bit of a miscongeniality answer, but I, I sort of feel the same way in that I, I don't even know like when slash if I will be a parent, but I feel like I pick up all these little tidbits of things that I hear about parents doing that I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. But then I'm like, okay, but what's a better alternative to it? And just sort of like mull it all around. But it is interesting I don't know, and you know, I'm not a parent, but I don't know that any parent really knows where the balance is between sort of molding a kid so that they, you know, they have guidance and, you know, can benefit from your life experience versus like trying to force them into a role that either doesn't fit them or that they sort of push back against just because you're pushing so hard. Right. I don't know how you find that line yeah. with a kid, but I don't, I don't, I don't think like, again, I think, <laughs> I think the only people who can talk about parenting objectively are people who don't have children. Yeah. Because like what you just said, the, the parents are going to say, well, you know, I think I'm doing better than my parents, or I think I, I'm doing this because of this. <laughs> but again, it comes down to that parent is doing what they think is best to make their kid in the way that they think their kid should be. Yeah. So they'll pick and choose things that they think will justify that from any one of the four places. And like, if, if somebody asked me today, so what is 
the biggest thing that you wish for your child if you do have children and i would say some again a miscongeniality as answer <laughs> i just want them to be happy oh <laughs> <laughs> no 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 but really it sounds like such a shitty answer like the beyonce pretty hurts hope yeah. my aspiration in life is to be happy yeah. you know but i think that yeah. is what i want for my kids i don't want them to have to worry about money i don't want them to have to worry about whether or not they're loved at home i don't want to have to ever have them worry about am, am i going to go to hell from for the way that i am am i going to you know that that kind of fear and anxiety that just drives all of us i want them to be free of all that i want them yeah. to be able to make logical choices about things that make mm -hmm. them happy and then pursue it that's all i want and however way i can get that to happen you best believe I will. If that means I have to stack enough money for their lifetime so they don't have to worry about money, I'll figure out a way to do that. If I have to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If I have to make sure that they they live in a place where they're exposed to everybody's culture so they're not biased one way or another, I don't care if I hate that place. If that place is New York City and we know that I hate New York City, but if I feel that's what's <laughs> best for my child, I'm moving to fucking New York City. <laughs> Yeah. But then again, do you see what I mean? If that kid doesn't want to be that way, maybe that kid really chooses to be a type A person who follows the rules and is strict, then I've just done that whole kid a disservice because I'm raising them another way. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that is ultimately what I'd want to is for them to be happy. One thing that my dad did say once about his parenting philosophy that I think made a lot of sense was he said if he was successful in doing what he wanted to do as a parent, I wouldn't. And this sounds cold and he doesn't mean it quite that cold, but I wouldn't need him once I was an adult. Like, I wouldn't need to rely on him to make decisions and to, like, set boundaries for me that I'd be self-sufficient. I would want my kids to be self-sufficient, like, you know, able to set boundaries for themselves, able, like, confident enough in themselves to pursue what they want and, and, like, know what they need help on. But I feel also that some of the, like, I feel like I'm a fairly self-sufficient person, but I feel like some of that came from, from making up for, sorry parents, from making up for my parents' deficiencies in areas where they weren't. Right. Weren't I see what you're saying. Helping me. But you know, okay, so that, that again opens another huge discussion, right? You know how Andrew Carnegie... God, I can't believe I'm like, you know how Andrew Carnegie... But anyway, <laughs> oh, no. this is the best Andrew way I can Carnegie. put this. Andrew... I know, right? I'm going to sound pretentious right now. But Andrew Carnegie has this really popular quote. And it's the best thing you could do for a child is to birth them in poverty. Oh, that's very... I know, right? Andrew it's Carnegie. it's so... It's, it's very him. But what he was trying to say was having to do without will teach you creative ways to make stuff happen yeah back to the parenting thing if your parent has some inadequacies <laughs> you will work hard to be good at those things and then those are the characteristics that you have for the rest of your life mm -hmm. but i think there's another way to get there i don't think the only way to get there is if you struggle i feel like there has to be another way because i'm not willing to put my kids through the struggle like <laughs> People yeah. are saying, you know how people say how if you're extremely rich, don't leave your money to your kids. Let them work and build character. I'm like, you're missing the whole point. For me to work this hard, for me to be this neurotic about how I do the things that I do is so my kids can be so fucking rich that they are brats. <laughs> That's really it. That's yeah. really it. Hopefully very intelligent brats. But like... <laughs> I don't want them to struggle like me. Yeah. So why am I, how would I work hard all this much and struggle and then tell my kids, go back out there and struggle? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want them to have to struggle like that. Yeah. Just because that everything that came out of it wasn't negative doesn't mean I want to put that right. on them. Like yes, when I, right. mm -hmm. 
because I was a child of divorce and I was the oldest child, I played a lot of the peacemaker role between my parents and the coordinator role. So like, what dates are we going to see which parent? Who's getting us for this holiday? Like, you know, mom wanted me to tell you this. Dad wanted me to tell you this. Because especially early in the divorce, it was there was a lot of animosity and they didn't even really talk to each other. So, I mean, it's not like I don't use those skills. Like, <laughs> clearly, like, coordinating between people and playing a middle role and being a peacemaker has, like... <laughs> I learned skills from that, but that's not a healthy way to learn those skills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There has to be a better way to that, learn those skills. That came with yeah. some trauma tacked on too. So like... <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot more trauma than useful skills. Yeah, I was going to say like with something similar, right? I, me having to live in different people's houses, depending on what month or what time of year, season of the year it was, from house to house to house to house, I had to know like, okay, I was at someone else's house last week and I told them we needed X, Y, and Z for school two months later they might have forgotten so i have to update you so you can go ask them just so you're in the loop stuff like that or oh you usually don't get me around the end of summertime but you got me this year around summertime so i have to remind you oh somebody go figure out the school fees situation because the school fees are due so if you're not the person who's in charge of that go ask one of the other 12 people I've lived in the house over the past two years and try to figure out, you know, the kind of, and these are not skills that most children are supposed to know you have. Right. Your parents are supposed to just have it all figured out. And I had to literally be my own parent and be like, okay, don't forget that um, if I go to school without a check on this day, they will send me back home. If I need X amount of books, if I, because I was in boarding school for mm-hmm. a, a huge chunk of that time. If I'm going to be in boarding school, these are the specific provisions I need in these quantities to last me the whole semester. Mm. I had to be my own parent and organize all of that. So, yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm really grateful for that skill. I'm really good at putting... It doesn't look like it because I'm a fucking mess on the outside. <laughs> but I'm good at keeping track what needs to be done and trying to figure out a way to do it. But mm-hmm. the way I learned that skill, I don't want my kids to learn it that way. No. Absolutely not. It's yeah. a terrible way to learn that skill. This is going to turn into like a, a childhood trauma episode, <laughs> not quite a parenting episode. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So how did your parents handle difficult conversations or taboo subjects? They didn't. (laughs) They didn't. But the thing that I guess would be also funny about that is, I don't know how I picked up on this, but at a really young age, I picked up on things that I could not ask my parents about. And I I guess kids kind of pick up on that stuff. Just like if 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 you... if you are home and you're seeing like what your your parents are watching on TV and what they're agreeing with vehemently on TV or what they're disagreeing with. So say, for instance, like there could be a gay character that came on a TV when you were a kid and your parents would probably say something like underhanded and like, oh, OK, I know not to bring those kind of, like, of topics up. Or, you know, if there's like a, a hip hop video playing on the TV and you know your parents react away to it and you're, you're like oh i can't play hip-hop in the house because i know i'm gonna get a speech about the curse words and stuff. you know you kind of pick up on stuff like that mm-hmm. so i just knew not to bring up these taboo subjects mm. it, we didn't discuss it it just wasn't a thing yeah anyway that's how my parents handled it how did your parents handle taboo or difficult <laughs> subjects a lot of them it was just like <laughs> they didn't really handle it either but uh it wasn't in a Like, I didn't get the sense that it was something they were, like, against. They just sort of let me figure it out. Like, I didn't get, like, Mm. people refer to, like, the sex talk. Like, I didn't get that. My mom was like, you know what sex is? Like, you don't, like, I'm here to talk to you about it if you want to talk about it. But 
the only thing I need you to do is tell me when it's happening so we can get you birth control so you don't get pregnant. And that was that was pretty much it. <laughs> that's actually a really good way to do it. It wasn't bad. I yeah. think that's a very good. I I don't I, I I'm not a girl and I I really wouldn't know, but I I would assume that's that's that seems like a very okay, like don't be ashamed of this. Yeah. And but this is the thing that is important to keep in mind, even if they don't explain to you why. Why shouldn't I get pregnant? Yeah. yeah even if which I'm sure you would have figured out too just by looking at your surroundings. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Like <laughs> you would have figured it out. But that kind of yeah. This is we just got to do this thing though. Just like this is the important part. We got to get you on these. So yeah, yeah, I think that's really smart. Yeah, I think yeah, I think a lot of parents give their children some very weird complexes about sex by being oh yeah let me explain something to you (laughs) like in high school i got the whole don't get a girl pregnant like Mm. that's gonna derail your life blah 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 no know your audience know your fucking audience like i'm not the person you say that to one (laughs) but two like how is that in your head justified as an effective way to deter them from having i know (laughs) don't get a girl pregnant like if it's a sex talk like explain so if they say don't get a girl pregnant they don't tell you use a condom or Mm -hmm. they just say don't get a girl pregnant and the kid is just supposed to automatically go figure it out how do you not get a girl pregnant Mm -hmm. condoms like kids who don't like having sex for the first time and don't think about the shit like this doesn't pop in their head yeah of course now it's common knowledge that condoms prevent this but and that's the other thing right if you shelter your kids so much, they don't even know where to go buy a condom. Right. Yeah. They, they don't know all these things. So when you say to them, don't get a girl pregnant, they're, they're like, uh, but I don't even know how to go about those things. Right. And then they think the pullout method is best. And then the girl gets pregnant. So you are part of the fucking problem. Yes. Anyway. Yep. I didn't mean to bitch so hard. But you made me think of another sort of subject, which is one I think a lot about how I would raise my kids to think about it, which is race, especially here in the US. Because my parents raised me what, I mean, and I think they'd probably stand behind it, but they raised me to think that I should be colorblind. And you know, it's something that a lot of people think is a good way to approach it, which is actually really problematic in a lot of ways. But to them, it was like, you know, be accepting of everyone and don't, don't think of people as different races we're all just people and yeah i didn't it took me a while to realize like what a problematic way that was to view race it's almost like the reason it's gotten better is because black people have been somehow a little bit just a little bit not quite a lot invited into the conversation Mm -hmm. just so they can say you guys are saying this is a good way to help us but like you're actually fucking it up yeah it's kind of how like you know the u.s government uh, the media will change how they refer to the Native Americans. They're like, oh, um, we feel like Indians is, is too offensive. Let's call them, uh, red Indians is offensive. Let's call them American Indians. And they're like, oh, you know what? Um, 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 American Indians is offensive. Let's call them Native Americans or whatever. <laughs> and then they keep switching it up. Yeah. But the people themselves who are receiving those names haven't come to the table and say, you know what? We prefer you call us this. So everybody else in the room is thinking they're helping that person, but they haven't asked that person, yeah. how do we actually help you? <laughs> Which is why the white people are saying, just look at look at all people colorblind. That should do the trick. No, ask a black person and they'll let you know that's actually not the way to get it done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of a lot of well-meaning white people back then did that. And it's not it doesn't make them bad people. It's just I, I just wish they had known better. Hopefully a lot of them would have done better if they knew better. Right. Right. And it's that comparative thing again. Like their parents would say openly, overtly racist <laughs> things. 
so so they were raising their kids to be better but it would be like you know my dad would be like oh well you know i played basketball with a bunch of black kids in high school and they called me casper so you know racism solved (laughs) (laughs) well i mean not casper (laughs) casper but like my mom actually my mom grew up in mississippi and her high school like when she graduated still had a black prom and a white prom what yeah 19 70 it was in the 1970s so the school was integrated but they didn't have a prom with everyone they had a black prom and a white prom and a black prom queen and a white prom queen and king i can't believe see whenever i hear these the years that these things happen i'm like that doesn't sound right to me i thought like the u.s was ahead of that at that point like the 70s but i do feel like i feel fortunate in that if i have like if i'm not sure because i'm a white person who has a white person's experience but if i'm curious about like how do i talk to my white children about race i don't have to just like think like this is how i feel like it would be best i can like reach out to people and ask them how to handle it or i can google it and there's a million videos and guides and like all of the all of these resources where i can actually find the people qualified to talk about that and learn from them whereas like i don't know what you did what you do before the internet like you probably just like relied on your judgment and talked to the people around you who probably thought very similarly to you it's like there's a skit in this show which is like i mean it's 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 a skit in this show but it's really like a wide known thing a lot of white women who have a biracial child they fuck up that child for at least the first year Mm. because the child's hair comes in they don't know what the hell to do with it and they don't know like you know the the lotion that works best or whether or not to even lotion that child so the child's walk around looking ashy as fuck (laughs) but all the things that come (laughs) but you you get what i'm saying like (laughs) they they don't know what to do but i think i think what's even more sad than that is they don't know how to ask or who to ask they know the black person that they had the child with maybe in passing or whatever but they're not connected enough in the community to be like so what's what's good for this type of hair what's good for you know and they also may have all the friends around them if they are a white person if they do have friends all their friends are also white Mm-hmm. <laughs> they like and if there's not a direct line to a black person is what i'm trying to say so it's it's hard for them to learn just because they don't even know how to but i'm glad that in 2021 yeah the only reason why somebody wouldn't figure it out is because they actually don't want to figure it out there are so many resources online to at least get you in contact with somebody who knows better at least that yeah so yeah there's probably tiktoks on it <laughs> exactly you can just get on tiktok and learn a lot of things it's it's a new world it really is <laughs> oh i also had <laughs> one of the ways my mom would uh approach like teaching me about situations that either she didn't want to talk about or like didn't feel qualified to talk about was she would get me books about it <laughs> because i you know i was also the type of child that would read books <laughs> <laughs> and I, this one, when right. I, when I got my period for the first time, she got me a book about it instead of like telling me about it. And it had, it was, <laughs> it was great. It was one of those like DK books. I love this. <laughs> I love this. It was great. It had, it had illustrations. It like explained like what was going on and it, it was normal and it like showed you how to put in a tampon. <laughs> like, I was fascinated. Right. I took this on the bus. I got my period sort of young. So a lot of other girls my age had not gotten it. I was like look this is 
<laughs> Look at this picture of how you put a no. tampon in. I got in trouble <laughs> for bringing that what? on the bus and showing it to Are people. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's knowledge that should be shared. Why yeah. do you get in trouble for sharing the knowledge that should be shared? I, yeah. How does school administrative... Because th- <laughs> they said it was inappropriate. Right. That the pictures were inappropriate. Exactly. I figured, like, they, yeah. they weren't saying you had your seatbelt off in a bus walking around because that would have been the problem, not no. the actual information <laughs> you spread. But the problem is the information you were spreading. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? I, I don't mind that. I, I think I even like it because children, depending on how they're socialized in the schools that they go to, might already feel embarrassed and ashamed of this period. And the last person they want to talk to is their parent about it. Mm-hmm. So if the parent just leaves them with the material, I think that also eases things. I like this very much. Yeah. This is a great idea. I'm trying to even think if I even got like a, a proper sex talk besides don't get anybody pregnant and then the sex talks... <laughs> quickly you know the thing is like before your parents know, for gay people who probably figure this out especially if you're gay black immigrant it's like a three for you suffer on three different levels yeah. they'll probably say don't get don't get a girl pregnant don't get a girl pregnant don't get a girl pregnant and no real sex talk mm-hmm. and then they find out you're gay and all the everything that they talk to you about is pretty much about sex mm. it's crazy but they're insulting you like they mm. in their mind all they see you as is fucking men so everything that they talk about is in relates to that. They'll like come around to you and like give you a Bible verse about like men laying with men oh. on the random. Like, but prior to them figuring out you're gay, that wouldn't be a thing. And you're just sitting there yeah. like, right. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't really get a sex talk, but like after I came out, like every, and it wouldn't be like a real sex talk either. It'd just right. be different insults about certain things very, I'm like, just be quiet, please. I don't have the patience to deal with this, right? Yeah, speaking of coming out, I'm still not actually out to my parents. I never came out to my parents. It, uh, <laughs> so it's not necessary, I don't think. I mean. If you haven't listened to the podcast before, I'm pansexual. But I happen to have settled down with a <laughs> straight cis man. So, you know, unless I tell you, there's no way to tell. And I just, like, my parents were not very openly scornful of gay people but i got enough of the vibe that they were not okay with it that i was like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna just broach this out of the blue i was like you know when the day comes that i have a serious girlfriend i will broach it with them and i never ended up like i went on dates but i never had a serious girlfriend so i just never came out to them i think that's actually a great thing honestly (laughs) like not coming out to your parents and i think the world we're getting towards is one where people don't need to come out Mm mm-hmm like, it'll just be a vestige of a, of a thing that maybe in, like, another hundred years coming out would just be, like, um, like people have quinceaneras, just a, a one-day party oh. at 16 or whatever. You know what I mean? And that'll be it. Like, people won't have, yep. like, this whole angst about coming out. It'll just be, like, a vestige of times past of a thing that people did, and they'll just have a quick party. And it would, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, your life wouldn't change before that day or after that. Just like at a quinceanera, your life doesn't change after the quinceanera versus before. You just go about your life the way you always did. If you were fucking men before that day, you just, you're still fucking them now. And it's just that on that. Yeah, it's not that the coming out wouldn't mean as much as it means now. So I think that's what we're working towards. So the other thing I will say is kids coming out to their parents, I think is a terrible thing. Mm. Any kid who's like, I feel like I need to because I'm living a lie. I'm like, just ease yourself into living your truths but don't have to announce it because what ends up happening is for kids whose parents are extremely homophobic or whatever Mm -hmm. you announcing it is actually going to 
fuck your life up royally. Mm-hmm. If you're in college and they're paying for your college tuition, guess what? They can stop paying for your college tuition when you come out. And now that degree you're working on that's supposed to give you the the you know your your career satisfaction you probably can't go into it if you don't have the funds to finish that education so you've really wrecked your life just by coming out at least until you are self-sufficient when you grow up your parents no longer pay your bills and none of that is a factor they can't take anything away from you then come out yeah and but like officially say it like you could have been living your truest life the whole time like being in a relationship just don't broach the topic with them if you know there is a risk of them really fucking you up. So mm. I'm not saying stay in the closet all your life. Don't get me wrong. I, I hope people are like, I'm, I'm very happy when people come out and live their best lives. But I need you to think about the practical aspect of it, too. You need to be able to have something in case things go really wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. But anyway, that's it. That's pretty much all I was going to say. <laughs> I knew a kid in college. You know, the funny thing is, I knew a kid in college. He was like, a, he was a red-haired kid. And I remember he was telling a story about how he came out to his parents. And he was a white kid, obviously. He was very, very upset that his parents were so nonchalant about it. <laughs> he was like, I was expecting. Because like he was so looking forward to the Big Bang drama. And I wanted to smack him. Like, you fucking idiot. Do you know how many kids are homeless right now just because they came out and you are upset that you told your parents you're gay and all they did was go back to their nightly reading (laughs) like you're upset about this do do you really want the character building story that badly (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah i I was so irritated with him i was like god just shut up so there are some myths about parenting that i think we should bust the first is that life fulfillment hinges on becoming a parent I don't think so. I think most people think this is the case. And I, and I kind of get it, right? Like, if we want to go on, a, like, on an existential level... Oh God, pretentious time. <laughs> get on my soapbox here. But anyway, if you just think about the human civilization, and I suppose all forms of life on the planet, they exist simply for the purpose of perpetuity. Mm-hmm. They exist so they can continue to exist. They're going to exist so they can have kids, so those kids can have kids. It's just a preservation of the lineage or the species. That's all life is. So we as humans are no different. So that being said, I understand when people will feel like, yeah, this is the purpose to life. If I don't have kids, then why am I even here? But just look around. There are a lot of people on this planet. (laughs) The planet is struggling to support us. So maybe don't have a child and get fulfillment from other because human civilization has expanded to not only just reproductive stuff we've we've been able to do other things so i'm like yeah you can find fulfillment in a lot of things there's a lot of range to throw yourself into you don't have to have a child and if you feel that badly about having a child try adopting however don't put your fucking trauma on that child when you adopt them so i think live your fullest life but don't equate the grand achievement of your life is that you're gonna have kids don't do that right yeah a lot of people feel this way and really shame people who say they don't want kids especially women yeah that don't want kids it's like but you're (laughs) that is why else are you here existing on the world as a woman if you're not gonna have kids (laughs) yeah i think it can be something that's incredibly fulfilling but you know there's the biological genetic thing of like needing to carry on the species but like the human race is not going anywhere there's plenty like it's going on whether you have a kid or not (laughs) like that's not that's not the issue here 
but you not having a kid is not going to spoil the whole <laughs> the whole yeah. thing for everybody like just chill out you brought up what i wrote further down here another myth that having your own biological children is somehow like better or preferable to adopting mm-hmm. like that adopting is only like only if you can't have your own biological children should you think about adopting this upsets me because people are having children and deciding that they don't want those children or maybe they're having children they can't take care of and so therefore those kids are helpless and they have to go into the adoption system Mm -hmm. so i think it's very selfish and irresponsible for people if they choose to have biological children to then have them and fuck them up too Mm -hmm. when you could have at least given some bare necessity essentials to another kid who doesn't have it like if yeah so i always feel like i i think this is why like you have to intentionally be a parent whether or not it's biological or not Mm -hmm. because like the world already has so many kids who are struggling that you could help raise so if you have yours don't then contribute that your one child into being a shit person in the world do your best to parent them so they are great people like at least that at least that but yeah no i think you're right having your own child is not but people you know when when we were when we were kids the argument was um if you inherit someone else's child you're pretty much inheriting someone else's problems which is a harsh thing to say right Mm -hmm. but what they mean is you, you you know you don't know Maybe they're they they're kids of alcoholics, and maybe the, I don't know why people think alcoholism is a ge- genetic thing. It could be I like the addictive gene, but I, I really don't know much about the science behind that. But anyway, they're like, oh, this child could have parents who are alcoholics, or they may have an addictive personality, stuff that is inherited that they probably don't want, or maybe this child could you know have parents who have Alzheimer's, and you know it's in their gene. You know what I mean? This, or maybe and they don't want that child. So they trust more their own lineage because they can say they know the lineage. So they can, you know, but I'm still like, no, fuck that. Yeah, no. Fuck that. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's still not a good argument. It's no. because it, or they're going to say, you know, they want to raise that child in a very specific way. If that child is already like 10 years old, the child has already like formed their base characteristics that they won't be able to train that child after 10 which is also the thing where people try to get the earlier or younger children to adopt because of one of this reason. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I think a helpless child needs as much support to get them to be at least a functioning good member of society. Mm-hmm. And I think anyhow we can do that is a good way to do that. And if people say, I mean, you know yourself, if you know you're going to be a terrible parents to an adopted child especially an adopted child who's nine or ten and they may not have a personality that perfectly suits yours please just skip the whole children having step just skip the whole thing please yeah yeah no i mean the yeah the genetics thing is weird because like you know what runs in my family bipolar disorder i don't want to give that shit to a kid it's awful (laughs) That is actually one of the reasons that I said if I ever choose to have children, I will first look into adopting. Because a child with my exact genetic makeup, it's not a good thing. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's a great thing. Seriously, I, I know, obviously, there's something fucked up. When somebody's like, have you ever gone to get genetic testing? Fuck that. Like, I don't want to know. Like, I want to live my life in this, uh, like, oblivious state thinking that that was a one-off. Yeah. Because if you have to think, like, 
all the shit that I'm already going through, having to think of, oh, there could be a recurrence. There's an X amount of percent that it will come back simply because this is your, I don't want to know that. I want to move ahead, not knowing what that is. I don't want anything to alter the plan that I have for the life that I want. So yeah. we're not going to learn that shit. But anyway, <laughs> I already know in the back of my mind that something's fucked. Mm -hmm. So me having children, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> no, I, I don't want that. Like, cause then I'll know and then they'll know. And I'm like, no, let's just have kids that don't. <laughs> you're gonna have a healthy life for for as long as possible you won't need any significant medical assistance in your life yeah. like i don't fun fact fun very unfun fun fact there's a form of breast cancer that's associated like very strongly associated with this gene it was like oh you should probably get tested for that gene because you might be at risk and my doctor actually recommended against it because he said if you test positive for that gene you will never be able to buy a life insurance policy it's like you'll just be considered way too high risk which is frightening <laughs> i thought you were gonna say something else that is bleak as fuck right <laughs> Honestly, oh my god, that is so scary to think about. Because what I thought you were going to say was the her positive breast cancer type, there is an antibody treatment that works better if you have that cancer. Mm. So they usually do the screening to see if that gene is mutated for you. And then they will recommend you for this treatment because there's a much higher success. Because the antibody yeah. that they have to attach is, is matches it perfectly. Mm. So I think you were, I thought you were going to say that. Like, yeah, they should recommend her to get tested. Anyway, that was just a fun fact about our medical system. <laughs> for the listeners outside the United States, you have no idea what our medical system is like here. And one day we'll have an episode and break it down to you. It, you will be shocked. Because <laughs> we, we Americans, like in the US, we've just come to accept this madness. And yeah, that's just the way. Like, yeah. none of it makes sense. <laughs> it's all very stupid. Like, why do we accept this? But the other the myth we should bust is children belong to their parents this is false like children are not the possession of their parents mm -hmm. i don't care how you slice it i don't care if you gave that child quote unquote life you can't take that child out of it that bullshit argument just stop that you don't own your kids you brought them into this world without their consent and they're here doing their best to get by so you better shut the fuck up don't threaten them with that bullshit. But um yeah also your child doesn't belong to you so you cannot dictate what they do with their life and this nonsense that children need to be in a traditional household to be properly developed e meaning a cisgendered straight man and a cisgendered straight woman as the essential family unit to make sure kids are well developed this is some shit yep. some complete bullshit because yeah. how does this make any sense? Like, if the mother is fucked up and the father is fucked up, you have doubly the fucked up to rain on that child. <laughs> right. Like, this math doesn't add up in my head. And also, the other myth I want to bust that I didn't write on this paper is children need to be sheltered at all costs. Mm -hmm. You want to keep their childish-like state for as long as possible. I don't like that. No. That, to me, doesn't make any sense. Why do you want to stunt the mental, um, mental capacity of your child by like making I like I, I understand you want your kids to have their imagination to be creative. But I think that's also a bullshit argument. There are plenty of creative people who weren't lied to as a kid into some delusion mm -hmm. like, to, you know, how people say, I don't want to. If you're a kid and you're five years old and you listen to this podcast, you shouldn't be anyway. But spoiler <laughs> alert, Santa Claus is not real. 
like <laughs> Santa Claus is not real. So if your parents have told you that and you're a fucking 12 year old and you still don't realize Santa Claus is not real, your kid just looks like a fucking idiot. <laughs> Tell your kids this shit. Honestly, and don't be like, oh, I just want them to have a nice childhood. Yeah, there are plenty of ways for them to have a nice childhood without you fucking lying to them. Mm-hmm. Making them essentially delusional about stuff. Like, right. don't do that to your child. Please don't. Yeah, because it can't last forever. And when it when they leave that shelter and it just hits them all at once, like, it's not good. You know that nonsense that, you know, new parents do and they do the goo goo gaga at their children? Who, <laughs> I'm like, that's mental illness to me. <laughs> It's, it's mental illness to me because what what the fuck is that? I hate to say it like that. Like, I'm not trying to be canceled for, like, making fun of mental. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying that is categorically by definition what mental illness is. So I'm like, no, the child yeah. will one day grow up to learn to speak. It's not the case that the child is an imbecile. They just don't have the range yet to speak. So how about you just speak to them normally? Yeah. <laughs> Like, the Google Gaga you're doing, the kid doesn't understand that either. It's just a child. So speak to them with real words. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what, what the, what's the point of the Google Gaga? The child doesn't know what it means. You for sure as hell don't fucking know what it means. So it's almost like if I walked up to um, a duck and I'm, like, petting them and quack-quacking them and quack-quacking them and they're quack-quacking back. Like, what's this? We can't understand each other. We're just making noises. So why? Why do we do that to children? Does it make sense? Yeah. God, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that's like um <laughs> starts still laughing over the cuckoo caca. But um when <laughs> when a pet Sorry. dies and instead of like using that as a time to explain death, which is something a kid is gonna have to learn eventually, parents are like, Oh, they went away to live somewhere. Why? A very natural time to talk about something that you're gonna have I mean Maybe not if they're, like, two, but, like, it's not, like, if they're old enough to understand, like, I feel like it's your job to help them understand what's happening in the world around them and not just construct a fantasy world around them. That's the thing that I have a problem with. Like, let your child, I know, I know the world is a nasty, shitty place and we all wish it weren't, but it is. And the, the, the bottom line is, which is harsh to say, your child has to know how to navigate that. Mm-hmm. So you making this fantasy world that you think is the ideal world for that child is not going to prepare them for the world that they actually have to live in and deal with. Right. So, yeah, that's why we don't think that's a good idea. Please don't do that to your kids. Don't surround your kids with ki- with people who are not loving people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if you're married into a family and the, the family you're marrying into is an absolute toxic bunch of people... You might have gotten the good apple out of the bunch, but when you raise your kids, raise your kids far enough away from those people. Because what's going to happen is, say for instance, if you marry into a really homophobic family and you have that kid around that homophobic family growing up, you have just fucked that kid up royally. So if you know some toxic people who are not loving, move your, move them away from your kids. I'm not saying shelter your kids because those people exist in the real world, but I'm saying the amount of trauma that you can cause your child just by having people who are not loving around them. Terrible. If you beat your kids, fucking jail. I feel like this is an issue of anger management. Mm -hmm. You should not be hitting your kids out of... People will say, well, I'm hitting them out out of discipline. But I'm like, if that's the case, there's a better way to do it. If you're doing it for discipline, I think what's more likely is people who hit their kids do it out of lack of control of their anger like the child has frustrated them or whatever and they just hit the child and no go sort your anger issues elsewhere because this this power dynamic doesn't work for that child 
Yeah. It's a terrible place to put them in. Like, why, why are you hitting the child? You know the child can't defend themselves. And even if they could defend themselves, they depend on you for daily sustenance. So you expect them to keep a nice relationship just to, you know, have food to eat with somebody who's abusive to them. That really fucks a child up. Don't do that to your child. Yes. Don't do that to your child. Yeah. They have to live with you anyway because they can't go anywhere. Right. You provide for them. And then you smack them and then you don't... The resentment of you hitting them out of anger is going to fester, but they have to stay just so they can be able to eat to stay alive. It's it's a terrible thing. Yeah. Don't do that to your kids. So stop beating your children, please. Yeah. Literally, like in case you're curious, listeners, every scrap of psychological research says that like physical discipline is psychologically harmful to your children. Like it it's <laughs> there's Fair. no question like don't yeah. don't hit your kids like don't spank them don't 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 but you know i i think a, the argument that a lot of people use is like well you know i was hit as a child for discipline and i turned out fine <laughs> it like, goes right. back to exactly the same it's like okay maybe that's how your parents taught you to behave and the result was you behaved but <laughs> it it comes at a cost like it's not a healthy way to do that there are other ways to teach a child to behave in public i'm not saying that people who hit their children are bad terrible people some like maybe a parent might might have hit their kid one time without that doesn't make you a bad person i'm not guilting people who hit their children i'm just saying you shouldn't do it it's a terrible thing to do to a child so yeah. if you feel bad i hope you do because that means you at least have some soul left in you to feel bad about this. But yeah, just don't hit your kids. Don't do it. And that actually, what you just said, segues perfectly into this other myth, which is that people think parenting is instinctual. And as soon as you have a kid, it's going to come naturally, which is just not true at mm -mm. all. It's no, I mean, I feel like, honestly, if you're being responsible, there's a lot you should think about beforehand. But right. also, you don't know your kids until as people until they're there. And I feel like parenting and trying to parent well has got to be a constant learning process of seeing what works for you as a parent, what works for your kid, making making mistakes, fucking up in parenting, and then figuring out how yeah. to do better. You will like, fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. You must always figure out how to do better. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like how we see it, though, which I always think to myself, I'm like... <laughs> Nobody's going to get it right. What well, well, people's parents in the past would have considered that was us trying to do better. And we're like, today, I'm like, that is like, say, for instance, your parents like teaching you to see, you know, to be colorblind as best as possible. You know, that really was them trying to do better. And mm -hmm. of course, today we're going to be like, that was completely wrong. So, again, none of us are going to get this right. But I think and I would hope that I'm not the parent who does something because I think it's right. And it just, I hope I would have the range to foresee long enough to understand, yeah, in, a, in 10 years, this won't be the way to do better. Mm -hmm. And I think that just really depends on how much, again, that depends on how much range you're able to amass in your life. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> sounds so stupid. But like, you have to, you have to constantly challenge what you think and what you know. You have to constantly learn things for you to be able to iterate yourself to be a better person every day. So if you're being a better person to raise a child, then you must never stop learning. Right. Never. Say, for instance, like today, I'm really bad with the, the LGBTQ community, the pronouns things. I get it wrong every single time. But as much as I get it wrong, I always have to remind myself, you have to do better. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, I'm just learning it. I didn't 
grow up in a time where all the pronouns are perfectly set in my head. But I need to learn this because if I have a child one day and that child comes out to me as trans, it's important that I have the range to be able to address it. As opposed to people who are like, we're just going to call you the, the gender you were born with and just stick to that. Yeah, no, then you're going to have a child who's going to come out as trans and you're not going to know what the fuck to do. Then you're going to fuck up that child, that child that you love so much, simply because you didn't open your mind long enough to learn something else from what you previously knew. Yeah, so I think you yeah. must always learn. That's it. True, honestly, in all things in life. Very true in parenting when someone else is life and well-being is online <laughs> which is another myth that you have to have children by a certain age which i feel like in a lot of cases pressures people into having children pretty young a lot of times i feel like before they're i mean honestly i'm sure it's different for every person but i feel like i'm still learning a lot i feel like i'm still changing a lot as a person i don't know that i feel like i'm equipped to have yeah i see what you're saying like you can have the kid before you even have sufficient range Right, right. Before <laughs> you even totally know how to take care of yourself. Obviously, it's going to be at a different age for every person. Like, it's not like I can sit here and be like, if you're under 25, you can't have kids. Like, it's, it. you know, people have different maturities at different ages. But I think the expectation right. to have children before you're ready pressures a lot of people to feel like they can't wait to have children. Yeah, the other thing that I say is, and people don't usually agree with me when I say this, this is like a hot take. <laughs> if you don't have a lot of money, don't have kids. Oh my god! See how that instantly sounds like yes. poor people shouldn't have children. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that sounds like well, poor people should never have kids. No, but the the point that I'm making is, if you don't have the necessary resources to take care of the basic needs of that child, that child will suffer no matter how you yeah. slice it. So I think it's it's kind of horrible for me to say you go get the money before you have the child you know because people are just like children just need love no children need love and a lot of money yeah <laughs> a lot of it so what does michael jackson say if you can't feed your baby then don't have a baby <laughs> mama say mama say mama goes no really if if you don't if you don't have the money to <laughs> Yeah, no, but yeah, trying to take care of a kid with no money is difficult and it's traumatic for the kids. So yeah, before you have kids, go get the therapy and go get the money. Yeah. That way the kid can have a better <laughs> life overall. That's all I'm saying. Don't come from me saying I said poor people shouldn't have kids. That's not what I said. Yeah, because the next thought on here is what people should know or consider before they become a parent. Because we, we said before that we feel like it has to be an intentional thing and bless their hearts. I love my sisters. I do. And they're both great mothers, but they both became parents for the first time through accidental pregnancies. And I can't even fathom that being the, like yeah. that being how I became a parent. Like it's wild to me. I guess that's a thing, right? But once you have the kid, you now you must never stop learning. The person you are the day you have had that kid better not be the same person one day after having that kid. <laughs> you have to constantly be learning so that so honestly yeah like yeah but and you said it already but you know how you learn the self-awareness and the skills <laughs> therapy get some therapy. goddamn therapy get, get, <laughs> get therapy y'all <laughs> like please let the professional help you get a prof get a professional to help you a really good professional but also 
say for instance if you don't have the money to get a, a professional do the work on yourself yeah even actually even if you get the money for the professional you still have to do the work on yourself and this is the point like you <laughs> yes. have to try your hardest to be as self-aware as possible yeah no there are definitely people who go to therapy who are not getting therapy they just they just go for a week and like pat themselves on the back like look at me going to therapy but if it's work like if you're not doing the work you're not actually i know people who scream therapy 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 and they are the most rank people in the world <laughs> yes. honestly <laughs> yes. because it's kind of for them yeah for them the therapy thing is performative yes yeah i don't know how people okay i don't know how people afford children at all at all like i'm looking at where i am financially in my life and i'm like i'm i'm way better off than most people i don't know how i'd afford a kid diapers are expensive do you know how many diapers those motherfuckers go through oh my god so many (laughs) i'm still not done paying off my student loans like i'd like to provide for my kids college education how am i supposed to save money for their (laughs) i'm not done paying off my college education exactly (laughs) i just gotta just cross my fingers that bernie makes it free but like what the money thing is relative. If you are raising your child in a part of the world where you can afford to give the child a better, happier life on less, then by all means. You know, if the culture there is you use nappies, not disposable diapers. If the culture there is you don't have to pay for a daycare for eight hours a day because you have a very close-knit family and everybody's loving and everybody's, you know, accommodating of your child, you can leave them you leave your child with your family if you trust them to not traumatize your, ch- your child. But anyway, you can have them <laughs> stay over there while you, while, you, while you go work so you don't have to pay for daycare. So yeah, the, the relative cost of how much money you have to perfectly raise a child changes depending on the culture and how much money to do certain things cost. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that, yeah, you know, you don't have to be, you know, Jay-Z, Beyonce rich to have children. But you at least have to have a plan yeah. for how you're going to afford to take care of your children, no matter where you are. Yeah. Child care is so expensive. Oh, my Lord. Child care is <laughs> expensive. I don't know if you've ever looked at <laughs> I have just out of morbid curiosity. Child care is so expensive. So. Like you wouldn't if, if you made the average salary in the U.S., you can't afford a child. Yeah. Forty something thousand dollars. If you make that. No matter where you live in the United States, you can't afford a child. I hate yeah. to put it so bleak, but honestly, if you choose to still have a child on the average salary, you have to be a financial wizard to make that money stretch and be, you know, you have to be able to do things with money. Yeah, in graduate school, um, we actually were part of a union, which, thank goodness, it made things a lot better. But even with that, so through the union the grad students had subsidized childcare, but even with they were mm, they were good. pushed lobbying for more subsidized because even the subsidized childcare, the grad students, especially if they were like a single parent, it would be half of their stipend a year. Fully half of their stipend what? went to subsidized childcare. If it wasn't subsidized, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's also because grad students okay. are not paid any money at all. But, yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Let's go back for a second. That myth, speaking of Bill and Melinda, they're getting a divorce. But speaking of that, this myth that some parents have where they, because back to the whole, you know, keeping a child in a traditional household, Mm. the parents are going through a nasty divorce, but they try to live in the same house Mm -mm. because they think 
as a myth that's going to make their kids but oh no 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 you are doing more damage you both are getting a nasty divorce yes figure out the co-parenting thing don't like the Mm -hmm. kids living in that house oh my goodness don't do that to your kids but anyway sorry i had to bring that back because i remembered it when we're talking no no you do please bust that myth completely because it is so much worse oh kids can tell kids can tell what is going on it's not healthy it's not healthy for you it's not healthy for them please if your life is sorted out you will be a better parent like please don't do that another non-fun fun fact so my dad was actually he's like 15 years younger than his next youngest or his next oldest sibling okay and yeah. his parents had decided to get get a divorce had like one last fling together accidentally got pregnant and stayed together because of him and uh it was Fuck. this is not a romantic story y'all they didn't sleep in the same room. They really disliked each other, but they stayed together. His whole child, even after when he was an adult, they stayed together because they just like. Oh, I was going to say a lot of parents. I don't know how true this is or not. They tried to have their kids. They don't want there to be they don't want there to be um, a large age gap between their kids because they want their kids to be able to play with each other or whatever and slash maybe raising them would be good to do all around the same years so you can put all your kids through elementary school at the same time all of your kids through high school so just to make things easier because you don't want to be you know having it all over the place but i don't know i understand the logic behind it and i kind of want to agree with it but the issue is i don't think it's a good thing only for the financial reason right it's easier to take care of one child at a time financially so if you only have money to take care of one child and you stack one, two, three, four, because you don't want to space them out through maybe four or five years in between, mm-hmm. then do, do you see how then the finances really gets tricky? Yeah. So maybe you don't have more than one. Even if you want four kids, like just only have one. Mm-hmm. And then if you have money, like I understand like you want your kids to all be together or whatever, but I don't think you should prioritize over the health of an, each individual child. Yeah. Or the well-being, I should say. Yeah. So I don't. I I, I, I thought about it. I was like, because I don't have a perfect answer. What are some <laughs> things that sound fun about being a parent? <laughs> <laughs> I think. I mean, honestly, I'm gonna say some things with the caveat that all the things I'm about to say are more fun as an aunt, which I now am, <laughs> because you get the fun oh, things I see. and then you hand <laughs> you hand them away. But kids are fascinating. They're fascinating. Right. The things they say, the things they come up with are like hilarious and insightful because they just have such a different perspective than the adults you're around all day. (laughs) Right. It's, it's just so like endlessly fascinating. The things that children like develop into and say and think about. It's also just, it, I mean, it's fun to see them like grow. It's like, it's really exciting. Uh, Anytime my sister texts me and, you know, my nephew has done, like, it's just very cool to see him, like, learn to form words and see him, like, be, like, Mm. like, I saw him one time during the pandemic and he was not walking yet. He was, like, trying very hard. Like, he was trying to, like, he was pulling himself up on things. And it was, like, even that was weird seeing him that mobile. And it was like two weeks and all of a sudden he's like running around. So it's just, 
crazy how fast they develop. They figured it out. Like watching it, watching them figure things out is so cool and really satisfying. And also just like watching them become a full person as they get older. Like, I feel like it's just so interesting that you get to be alongside this person as they develop and change and like just seeing who they become, I feel like is really cool. I've thought about this a lot. And I think that specific thing is great, but it's also a curse. Mm. It's a two-edged sword. <laughs> because I think most... This is how I would approach it, right? Yeah. I don't want to raise a person that I can't be friends with. <laughs> yeah. As an adult. <laughs> That's true. I don't. I'm not yeah. raising somebody like who I will hate as an adult. I want to be able to be your friend as an adult. Yeah. So I will raise you with the... But do you see how that works the other way? Somebody who's so close-minded and has a very rigid mindset... They don't want to have a child who is extremely liberal and open-minded mm. because they can't be friends with that person. As a, So I think yeah. it works as a two-edged sword. Everybody's a product of their childhood on some level, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I have this specific mindset could be because of how, how my childhood went. So what's the fun thing about being a parent? I, I can't think of one right now because if I look at it from the perspective of what it would take to be a parent, I'm like, None of that sounds like fun to me. (laughs) And that's the perspective that shaped my childhood. Because I I had to think about all the things that I needed as a child and all the things that I needed to... Like, if I were a parent and I was responsible for all of that, I I don't know if I'll be able to find joy in parenting. Mm. (laughs) It'll just stress me the fuck out. Um, So I think that that kind of frames my mindset as to how I look at parenting. But also, the other thing I was going to say is, yeah, one of the first relationships in this tiny thing's life is with you. Mm. So you get to be the first face of the world. And I think if I were to have a biological child or a child that's really, 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 really young, that would be probably a fun thing to navigate as a parent. Mm -hmm. Just to see how like, oh, you just came into the world and I'm probably the first relationship that you have. How does that change our relationship over time? Me being the first person you would ever know. Does that make sense? So like, this is not like a scientist argument, but like that's kind of what would be intriguing to me as a parent. Have you seen all the like jokes online about babies born during the pandemic? <laughs> They're finding out for the first time that there's more than like four people in the world. <laughs> yeah, they're so shook. They are so shook. But yeah, this is what I was saying. Those and that's that's exact point that I just made. Those children, the kids who were born in 2020 and experienced that, their perspective on life will be slightly different than any other child born in any other year Mm -hmm. because the child comes out and is automatically surrounded by so many more people so i think that perspective right from how they can because i people always say kids don't have good memory until they're like three or four and i'm sure it's true but the child is not like a moot for the first two years They're experiencing things. They're right. storing mu- muscle memory about certain things. Like, they're not... People say, yeah, they don't have memory until three or four. No, but the experience in that time does matter. Mm-hmm. The child is not a brick until two, and then all of a sudden it turns into a child. It's not like yeah. Pinocchio's. The <laughs> <laughs> child is a wood figure, and then comes... Yeah, you know what I mean? So I think, yeah, yeah the, those kids, something in their mindset will be slightly different than the kids born in almost every other year. Unless that kid was, again, just born into, like, an isolated family and that family never left their house anyway. (laughs) Maybe that child will be more like the kids born in 2020. You see what I'm saying? So, 
That concludes our episode on parenting. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And again, happy Mother's Day to all the mamas out there. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Big Empty Purse. Tweet us, message us, tell us about your mothers. I don't know. Maybe don't do that. That sounded better in my head. Tell us about your childhood trauma (laughs) on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm keeping that. That's the one I'm using. (laughs) And tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. Oh, happy Mother's Day, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Happy Mother's Day, Mom and Diana. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about dance club culture. Until next time, peace.